Amen. They really, really have. Amen. And uh, uh, I appreciate them so very, very much and uh, have grown to love them even more during these three weeks. Appreciate their beautiful spirit, their love for God, their love for God's word. Amen. For the truths in his word. And we are just privileged to have them here at New Life Pentecostal Church. And once again, I want him to come. I want him to take his liberty. I want him to preach whatever the Holy Ghost has put on his heart. Would you say with me this morning, Brother Epley, preach to me. Would you say that, Brother Epley, preach to me. God Let's raise our hands and love the Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your love and your graciousness. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, I'm glad I'm in his house one more time. Amen. 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 All the places I could be, here I am in God's house. Really, this house should be filled with folks that's got names like Cohen, Rosenblatt. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. Maybe a little beanies on her head, little prayer shawls on her shoulder. And really, that's who should be here today. Trace her lineage back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Amen. All them folks that's worshiping trees and, and stars and the moon and cows and all that. That's my kin, folks. <laughs> yeah, that tree I come off of. But here I am in his house. And I know his name. God's so good to me. Praise God. I'd like to say we're glad to be here, brother and sister Riggin, this church family again. Glad to see all of our company that's with us. I do have a little something I want to talk to you about today, if the Lord would help me. Amen. Amen. I, again, I, I feel like they were singing these worship songs today. And I, I, I felt like it was a confirmation to me that I was in, I was in the mind of the Lord. I do believe any of the Word of God is profitable at any time. I, I think I could preach John 1 and 1 and, and it be the word of the Lord. But I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that God does have something at a certain time for a certain group of people. Now back when I was pastoring more than since I've been evangelizing, we'd have Bible study and I'd just take a topic and teach. I wouldn't necessarily feel led to teach that. I just felt like they need to, they need to hear it. Amen. And you know, pastors do a little different than evangelists do. Amen. I used to tell them when I was a pastor, and I preached by inspiration, by revelation, by observation, and by aggravation. <laughs> but I, I don't do that quite as much, amen, since I'm, since I'm evangelistalizing, amen. But if you got your Bibles, Hebrews in 13, the first scripture will be pretty familiar, but the others may not be as quite as familiar that I want to talk to you today. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Be not cared about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats. That, 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 that sacrifices. Which have not profited them that have occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the gate. Wherefore also, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. I, I want to read again verse 10. We have an altar. We have an altar. Turn around and tell somebody, we have an altar. We got an altar. We pray with me, eternal God, we're so thankful for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us today. Anoint me, Father. I do need your divine touch and your divine help. And your presence, Lord. Oh, wonderful Savior in Jesus' name. Touch us today. Touch our minds. Lift us up into the heights and to the heavenlies. Help something to be said today that will help and edify and strengthen your great people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you like I told you last Sunday morning. I'm not going to try to excite you as much as I'm going to try to incite you. And if you get excited, that's all right. And then if you don't get excited, that's still all right. I want to give you something you can use. Amen. You know, there are Paul writing... I believe Paul's the author to the book of Hebrews. If, if you don't, I pray the Lord to save you before he comes. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing that. Hey, I really don't care who wrote the book of Hebrews. Now somebody said, now why do you think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews? Because I ain't seen nobody else that smart. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I ain't worried about the language. I'm not worried about none of that. I, ain't, I, I read all the rest of them. And they're all good fellows, but none of them seem that smart to me. And then since Paul is the apostle to the Gentile church, and these are Hebrews, and I think Paul is trying to send an epistle to them from somebody that really understands all they understood and all the problems that they was going to have in their living for God you know, we're all products of culture. And these folks had been culture of the law and the tabernacle and the priesthood and all of that for over 1,500 years. And Paul perfectly understood that being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, having said it to Peter Gamal. And, I, and I'm thinking that he's writing to those Hebrew Christians, trying to let them know what that was all about that it really wasn't about what they were doing, All right. 
but it was about what it signified that was going to happen. All right. Amen. That the shadow is not more important than the body. Amen. That's why Hebrews 10 and 1 said the law having a shadow of good things to come. You, know, you can stretch a shadow out there and, and uh, you may think it's a tree and it might be a big old fat guy. Amen. Time you chase it down. Amen. Or you may think it's a big old fat guy and it might be a tree because the shadow's not clear. And, uh, uh, and there's a lot of speculation. So Paul said, I want, I, I want to show you, I want to show you how the how the shadow really signifies the tree. But then if it's not Paul, whoever it is, is really a smart fellow. That's all I can say. There are two altars in the in the economy of God during that period of time. And let me run through the first one real fast. I don't want to run through it too fast, but that's not my subject. Not that it's not important. It's a primarily important. But it ain't my subject today. And since y'all don't want to be here till 3 o'clock, we're not going to go through both of them. But let me just highlight. You know, when you approach that tabernacle as an outsider, all that you saw was that big old high fence and that big brazen altar there. I mean, that was the focal point. That was right smack dab in front of the door and you weren't allowed to see inside the door you may peek around and see that brazen labor but you weren't allowed back there and uh, really that's all anybody needs to see when they come to church the first time except you repent you shall all likewise perish don't worry about running through the whole bible trying to get you to do all that you just need to repent and after Solomon built the temple, it was built so big, they called it the great altar. That was where the sacrifice comes and dies. That's what repentance is to us. And really, everything in the tabernacle plan first symbolizes Christ. Firstly, then it symbolizes our relationship with him. So really, the brazen altar is a picture of Calvary. That's where sin was judged. And taken care of. Yes. Amen. And he became, are you glad he became your sin sacrifice? We kind of talked about that last Sunday. Got covered by the blood last Sunday. Amen. But I'm a blood preacher. Amen. I'm a blood preacher. So I, I don't I don't make any apology preaching about the blood. But this altar I want to talk about today is found in Exodus chapter 30. This is really the altar that, that he's speaking of where it says that we have an altar. It is this altar. Thy 30 and 1, thou shalt make thee an altar to burn incense thereupon. Of shittim wood thou shalt make it. A cubic shall be the length thereof, and a cubic shall be the breadth thereof. Square, four square shall it be, two cubics shall be the height thereof, and the horns shall be of the sand. So thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. Golden rings thou shalt make under the crown of it, 
and by the two corners thereof upon the sides uh, thou shalt make it. And they shall be for the places for the staves to bear it withal. Thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. Thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over by the testimony, for I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereupon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamp, and he shall burn incense upon it. When Aaron lighteth the lamp at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither poor drink offering thereon. Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once a year with the blood of the sin offering. Once a year shall he make an atonement upon it throughout your generations, for it is most holy unto the Lord. What can you say? Praise the Lord. Now that may sound like stuff that would just bore the snot out of me. But if I but, but if I can just take a just just a little time to build just a little foundation. I, I hope not to be as maybe as born as you as as it seems. But if if you've seen the tabernacle, something about thirty by hundred, and uh, that was where God said, God said, I'll meet with you there. I'm going to meet with you over that mercy seat. That's going to be my sanctuary. All all the outer world saw was that was that uh, 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 brazen altar. Then right behind it was the brazen labor. Then there was the door that went into the holy place. As you went in the door, here on the right side would be the table of shoe bread, and on the left side would be the uh, seven golden candlesticks. Then right in front, just like that Bible stand is, there's a huge curtain there. And right in front of that curtain is this altar. It's called the altar of incense. It's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. It's kind of the focus. Like if you've got a, you got a cross, and you got the table of shoe bread here, and the and and the and the uh, seven golden candlesticks here, it's it's right in the middle, right there. That's the, that that that's the that's the focal point. When you're when, when you're walking in there, see like that Bible stand there's the focal point. That's the focal point. Cause that in reality. That's going to be the most important piece of furniture that is in this building. Now, it's going to be more important than even the Ark of the Covenant because you got to pass by that to get to where the Ark is. And, and it's very important. It's so, it's so important that God said, now, now, I want Aaron to come in the morning and to bring incense and, 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 and burn that incense on that, on that altar. And I want him to come in on the evening, continually, perpetually, that sense was to be inside there. You know, of course, this symbolizes, after we get past our first deal we're going to do today, that this symbolizes the application in our life of prayer and praise. I'm going to tell you what. No, I'm not, I'm not like this. Oh, boy, oh. 
He said, when you're making the altar, he said, don't make any steps to the altar. You know why? He didn't want to see no flesh. And then he said, when you go in the minister in there, your garments ought to be linen because you're not supposed to sweat inside there because he don't want to smell no flesh. And he commanded the scent that he wanted and that was the incense. Oh, Lord, help us to rid Pentecost. Of all the flesh that we're smelling and seeing. Well, if you think you're going to bring everything and just give it to God, and He's going to take it. No, Brother, God's particular what He takes. But that's another subject. Praise the Lord. But that, that atmosphere would be permeated with that scent. I mean, it would be permeated. God knows what He wanted to smell when He went in there. Now, in your mind's eye, I want you to get in your mind's eye. You're in the desert. And the tabernacle is there in the desert. And uh, you're just the regular worshiper there. And, and, and uh, uh, it's in the night. And the tabernacle is set in the middle. You know, I read somewhere, you know, when they got ready to, to move that, it's 40 years in the moving. That was their fault. That's how it was. But I read somewhere that tabernacle was the first thing they put up. They put it in the middle. And I read somewhere it would take them between 20 to 40 minutes to erect that tabernacle. They wanted to get it up first. And it was in the middle. The tabernacle wasn't in the outer exterior. You need, you need to build your life around church. You don't need to fit God into your plans. You need to fit your plans around God. Amen. Jesus be the center of my joy. Yes. So, so, so they set that up. And it's night. Let's say it's nighttime. And you're in that wilderness, that dark wilderness. And you look toward the tabernacle. In the Father's east part of that, the compartment where the mercy seat was, there was a great whirling ball of fire over that, over that mercy seat. He was a fire by, day, by night and a cloud by day. There was that fire. That's why Paul wrote there in Hebrews. They could, they could, they could relate to that. For our God is a consuming fire. There that fire was. Brother, you talk about a Scary sight. Man, I better behave myself to look out there. There was, there was, there was God's house. And there was God's fire. Just a few feet to the west, where this, where this altar was setting, you could see very good. Was a little old blue puff of smoke which was incense. And if you would have understood that, you would have raised your hands and praised Jehovah. Because you would have realized that little blue puff 
in front of that big old flame of fire is pacifying that fire. that appeases the wrath of that fire. I want to talk to you about our altar today. And really about one part of our altar. It said, now when you make this altar, you make a crown of gold upon this altar. You make a crown of gold. And what that crown of gold did, it was just it was just like a lip that went all the way around that. And what that crown of gold did, it kept the wind from blowing those ashes off of the altar. Keep it intact. You know, when they had to move it, they they put the uh, they put the staves in there, and 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 the, and the way it would rock, it would be just like one big censer. As they've been making their journey, as it's going through that, 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 that mediating, that incense, that intercession being made, would let them know, hey, God, we're frail. Hey, God, we're people. Hey, God, we know that fire ought to burn us, but smell the incense. altar there is a crown of gold what that crown of gold symbolized we have I want brother Hilton to help me here in the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke I forget what verse I gave you there brother hmm? verse 31 Luke 22 and 31 and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You know, now, 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 I, now, I ain't no Greek guy, okay? I knew a Greek fella up there outside Chicago. He had a real nice restaurant, made some good soup. But I'm not a Greek guy. But from the little word studies that I get, Satan had desired to have you. If you was reading that, maybe another translation would say this. Satan has asked thy request. All right. The devil had a prayer request. All right. <laughs> All right. And said, has anybody 
prayer request? The devil said, I got one. I want Peter. And when I get him, I'm going to sift him like wheat. Well, the devil may have done stick his hand up and he's got you as a prayer request. Well, well praise the Lord. Lord, 
wind ain't going to blow you away. I got a crown of gold on this golden altar. And the winds may blow, but it's going to keep those ashes in place. I have prayed for thee. That when you get through failing, because you are going to fail, read the next two verses. But I have prayed for thee that thy, that faith, thy faith fail not. And when I'm going to tell you what I have failed. I'm, I'm ashamed I failed. I'm sorry I failed. I'm embarrassed I failed. But I failed. But I can tell you, my faith hadn't failed. When your faith fails, you're out of it, brother. I have failed. Did your faith fail not? So you know what? And when you're converted, <laughs> you strengthen the brethren. Yes, yes sir. What he's saying, he said, Simon, what you don't understand. I've got this crown of gold. And it's going to keep the ashes in place. I haven't got all the incense burned out of it yet. And if the ashes need to be replaced, the priest will replace the ashes or refurbish it. But the wind's not going to blow the ashes away because I've got a crown of gold holding it in place. We have an altar. Well, the times that I've stood that hell's been so tough. Brother Crone, I'd get through it. And I'd look back at it. I had to confess. It wasn't my toughness that kept me in. It wasn't because I was so strong or so spiritual or so holy, but something just surrounded me. Devil say, when gloom and sadness whisper, you've sinned. No need to pray. If, you, if it hadn't told you that, hang around, it will. I just look away to Jesus, and he said, you got it on. There's a crown of gold that's keeping the ashes. The wind ain't going to blow it away. I know what some of you think. I said, "Well, now that's pretty good. That's 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 Peter. I got two. I want to get. I got one on there that I didn't get. Me. That's Saint John seventeen twenty. And then we'll get the next yeah, one. Yeah. Saint John seventeen twenty. Woo! I'm gonna let me tell you something, <coughs> brother. Brigham made mention of today. Tell you what, just like you needed a savior when you came in the church, yes, sir. After you're in the church, you need a high priest. That's right. Just as bad as you needed a savior when you came in the church to save you from your sins, you're gonna need that high priest to keep you safe. Because you ain't going to make it on your own. You ain't tough enough. After a while, 
the perseverance will die. I woke up some mornings in my walk with God and said, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And you know, after I got through it, with the, with the tears running down my face and shaking my head, I said, I don't know how I survived that. I don't know how I made that stuff. <laughs> a woman at Columbia, Tennessee one time years ago, she jumped up and testified. I just a boy, but I remember it. I was, I started preaching when I was young, so I, I was out down there trying to preach a little, little, little revival for him, and this lady got up and she said, Brother Gibson, God hears every one of my prayers, brother, and answers every one of them. Well. You talk about being a white in that house. And she's a good old lady. Everybody's real quiet. They said, no. I just got... I was getting ready to write a whole list down and give it to her. <laughs> I said, well, man, that's why I want praying for me. She said, and Brother Gibson, you know what I found out? Sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> but Jesus prayed for Peter. And Peter made it on Jesus. And you know, when, 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 and, you know after that, that all bounced out. Oh, I like the Bible because the Bible just tells it like it is. You know, we got a president never told a lie. I, I have to confess, I cut down the cherry tree. Well, I don't believe all that stuff. George Washington lied just like you lied. Sure he did. Georgie Porgy putting in pie, they all lie. They're a politician most of the time when they're talking, they're lying. Hey, but you, know, you know they quit lying when they shut up. Somebody said uh, back a couple, three years ago, they didn't get this bill uh, passed. It would shut Congress down. I said, thank the Lord. Yeah. We're safe. <laughs> I ain't worried when they're shut down. I'm worried when they're working. Praise the Lord. They're scheming about all kinds of stuff to get you to do. They ain't never going to do. They're like a lot of preachers. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, thank you, Jesus. Man, that, 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 this guy had a hard time. He's had a hard time filling his cabinet up, finding anybody in the tax sheet. Yeah, that's true. And they got one tax sheet to be able to internal revenue. Like that. Yeah. Uh, hallelujah, amen. But nevertheless, it tells the whole story. And you know, Jesus said, "You don't." Before the cock crows, before it crows, you gonna deny me three times. What? Old wimpy John that's laying on your breast, he may do that. I'm Peter. And, 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 and you know what? He's gone. He's denied him. But Jesus gave special instructions when he was gathering them all back up after his resurrection. Said, you go tell my disciples, all the rest of the disciples is mad at him. You go tell my disciples and Peter. Well, you throw somebody out in the middle of the road, uh, Jesus may have prayed for him. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, glory. 
thing you know, they may be the preacher on Pentecost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. What does it say, St. John 17, 10? Neither pray I for these alone. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. But for them also that would believe on me through their word. Jesus prayed for you. Yes, he did. Did you believe the word of the apostle? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, now we can look at his prayer a little bit. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 7. What is it, verse 25? Boy, I love Hebrews chapter 7. There's been more wars and theological fights yeah, yeah. over Hebrews 7. Yeah, yeah. We got the tithing war. We got the who is Melchizedek war. We got what he was toting around war. They've <laughs> been more spiritual. But, but, that, but this ain't as controversial as the rest of it. Amen. But, but what a, what a, what a, it tells about this, uh, regardless who you believe Melchizedek was, you know, he foreshadowed Jesus. Regardless who you think he was. And Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you know, praise the Lord. What does it say, 25? Wherefore? Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Everybody say uttermost. Uttermost. From, but, the, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. You know, you, you, I don't believe, I do not believe in the doctrine of unconditional eternal security. I believe you can walk out the door and say goodbye, and that's it. I believe if a person practices sin, lives in that sin, refuses to repent of that sin, and he dies in that sin, I believe he's going to be lost. So is that already settled? After saying that, I'm going to tell you, it's not that easy to be lost. That's right. That's right. I mean, you got the blood on your side. You got the name on your side. You got mercy on your side. You got grace on your side. You got the church on your side. You got preachers on your side. You got angels on your side. You got the saints praying for you on your side. is called the earnest. Ephesians 1 will be about 13 or 14. The earnest of our inheritance. Anybody, everybody knows what earnest money is. Sure. You know, you go down and you get different, but you want to buy an old car, you know, and you're buying and going back and forth. And that boy, they, they, they want to get some of your money before you get out of there, you know. I mean, you know, it don't matter how much money you've got, they want at least a hundred dollars. You know what? That can be a $25,000 car. And then I got a check on it. I got credit cards. All I got is got, got $100. $100 check. <laughs> Give me that $100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's going to take an act of Congress to get that back. Hallelujah. Sign right here. You know what that means? You know what, they, what that means when they take that $100? The next guy can walk right off the street. Man, I want that car right there. 
other side. No, I don't want the one order. Want that? I want that car right there. Look, I got the money. Give me a check for how much you want for it. I pay. I pay the whole price. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't sell it to you because there's earnest money put up for it. So it's going to keep it till the guy comes and claims it. When God gave you the Holy Ghost, He gave you the earnest. You're a keeper. You're a keeper. And he ain't no keeping you till he claims you. Hallelujah. I tell you the story that I like. I like the story. Well, I know this is a slow Sunday morning. I'm not spitting at the ceiling. But I'm preaching so good. Uh, you know, I like the story of, 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 the, uh, of, the, of the Good Samaritan where the guy... Tells him he falls on his feet. They beat him up and leave him for dead. Amen. He's on the side of the road. Wish you know the Levite goes by and he's too busy. And the scribe goes by and he's too busy. And uh, and then this this Samaritan comes by. That as far as society is concerned, he he's a devil. But he takes. Pours in the oil and wine. He puts the cow and the beast to burden. He takes him down to the inn. He, he lifts him off the, off the beast to burden. Puts him into the house. And he said, I'm going I'm, I'm to pay for it. Whatever, whatever it costs to take care of him, I'll pay for it. Then he says this. If he runs up a bill while I'm gone, uh-huh. don't worry about it. Pay for it when I get back. Woo. I'm going to tell you, I've run up quite a tab since he brought me to the house. <laughs> I mean, pretty, pretty good bill. But you know what? They let me stay because he put down the earnest money. Right. When I got baptized in Jesus' name, he talked in other tongues. He cut down the earnest money. And he said, if he runs up a bill, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it when I get back. He wants it. Brother, he ain't, he ain't trying to lose you. He's trying to save you. Some folks got a, some folks got a picture of God. And he said, right on that throne. He said, brother. He gonna mess up today. Oh, when he does, I'm gonna grab him by the seat of the britches and I'm gonna throw him right smack dab in the middle of hell. Ooh. No, that ain't God. That may be God in your mind, but that ain't the God of the Bible. <laughs> he knows our frame. He remembers we're but the flesh. I'm not excusing you. For any illicit conduct that some some nuthead's going to do, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to say tell you God's on your side. You may go to hell, but it ain't gonna be His fault. Well, praise the Lord. What's the same, brother, brother Hill? To the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Yes. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession wait, 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 for them. Wait, wait, wait. He, 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 
He ascended into heaven. He ever liveth. Can you say that? Ever liveth. That means he's living right now. What's he living for? What? What? To make intercession. What? What? What's he living for? To make intercession. Two. What's he living for? Two. What's he living for? Two. What's he living for? Two. We got an altar. And the altar's got a crown of gold. And he's living on the ashes on the altar when the wind blows and the storm comes and the failures are there and the faults are there and the sins are there. That's little John, first John, little John, peg leg John, and miniature John. Amen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Have you got there? Here, Dr. Jarrett. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this first part of the verse. Yeah. Yeah, read. Two and one. Two and one. But there were fault. Two and one. My little children, these things I write. Hey, Jarrett, I write unto you. That you sin not, not, buddy. And and if any man sin. Don't you ever show faith. (laughs) That's the will of God. From the time you hit to the altar to the time you go to heaven that you don't sin. That is the will. I won't do the will of God. Well, the will of God is for you not to sin. You have to pray on whether you live in Spain or Maine. The main will of God is you don't sin. Whether you're a bus driver or a dishwasher. Amen. The will of God is that you don't sin. I write unto you that you sin not. That is the will of God for you. Now, brother, if he'd stopped there. Now, the rest of y'all may have been all right. But if he'd stopped there, brother Brown, I'd have been in trouble. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if any man said, I write unto you that you said not. You would have to say, I said, I'm out. <laughs> Anybody ever read the seven chapter of Romans? Things that I would do, I don't do. Anybody, anybody, anybody in Kansas ever guilty of that? And the thing that I shouldn't do, well, buddy, I didn't have no problem doing the things that I ought not do. And it seemed like I'd take everything I got to do the things that I ought to do. I don't know some place you can't hardly preach this because they're so holy if they dropped an egg it wouldn't break. (laughs) (laughs) 
that holy. In our part of the country, they preached, and where I was raised at, they preached entire sanctification. I mean, when you got when you got the Holy Ghost, it ridded you of the sin nature. It was gone, root, branch, and it was all gone, brother. I mean, she would. I mean, from that day, nobody sinned for their own. Now, they had some pretty major faults. <laughs> Them faults were pretty bad, I'm going to tell you. Look, I could almost be sinned, but it didn't. Nevertheless, it wasn't. But I, 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 I had a preacher friend years ago, and this woman got and testified. She said, I've had the Holy Ghost for 60 years, and I've never even gotten mad. Boy, that, that's really sanctified. So the pastor called her up. Now, come up here, sister. I'm going to tell everybody that. She got that microphone. She was so proud. She said, I've had the Holy Ghost for 60 years, and I've never got mad. So the pastor threw a glass of water on her. And would you believe she lost that 60-year testimony <laughs> over a glass of water? know there she didn't have that 60 year testimony so Jared I write in you that you sin not that's the will of God that's the will of God he'll give you the grace not to sin he'll give you the power not to sin he'll give you the strength not to sin oh yes he will if you live in the spirit and walk in the spirit You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It ain't that it can't be done. It can be done. It can't be done. I can look around here and see it ain't been here. Hallelujah. Somebody missed about 10 minutes in their life not living in the Spirit. And you're not 10 minutes. The devil got to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. But now you can read the rest of the verse, Brother Hill. He's, he's, he's reading that because he's really writing on that. Praise God. And we are too. And and what? And if any man sin. Huh? If any man sin, we have an advocate if with the old Father. Oh, Jared sins. Well, that's it, bro. You out? I don't churches are practicing that. Me and Brother Rick is talking, talking today. One church, this guy practiced three strikes and you're out. They come talk to you twice. The third time you're out. I mean, you're out. Out. You and all your devilish kids. Out. You're through here. Whoop. Then everybody comes in town because they're gone. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, they had have made great uh, uh, is, Islamic extremists. Hallelujah. I mean, they'd, they'd strap the bomb on them and everything else. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know where they found that in the Bible. That's right. That's right. One preacher down there, down south, if you, if you backslide, if you backslide, you're done. That's it. You 
can never come back. Never, never. A preacher friend of mine told him, said, did you ever read Luke chapter 15? You know what's in your Bible? That's right. Well, praise. Ain't you glad you got a good pastor? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So he said, and if any man said, we have an advocate. Now that word advocate means an attorney. A daysman. Now, in, in, in Israel, the common pe people spoke what they called Aramaic. Which, uh, that's hillbilly Hebrew. Yeah. You ever heard any Kentuckian talk English? Well, there's one up here today. Hallelujah. <laughs> I guarantee the queen don't talk like me. Amen. <laughs> so, it's, so, so, so that's what Aramaic was. Aramaic was hillbilly Hebrew. And, and uh, 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 that's why they had such a hard time translating. Amen. The, the, the language of commerce in that day was the Conine Greek. That's why the New Testament is written in Conine Greek. With maybe the exception of Matthew. It's written in Conine Greek. Well, that was the Maybe Chinese, amen. But 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 right now the language is English. You're going to do business. You're going to do it in English around this world. That's right. That's that's the language of commerce. But Rome ruled the world. Rome ruled the world, and their courts, their courts was done in Latin. Now here, an old Hebrew boy, he was caught doing something wrong. And they're dragging him into the courthouse. Anybody been to any courthouses here in the United States? Over the door, Upulio, Hugulio, Gamma Bio. I can't read nothing. <laughs> and if you're going in there, they're going to cry. And Upulio, Hugulio, you're all there. Brother, you know you don't even trust. <laughs> well, when, when, this, when, this guy, when this guy got in there, got in the courtroom, the judge talk like, uh -huh. and the prosecutor talk like, uh -huh. and the trial was going to be done in like, and all you could speak was Aramaic. You know what? You know you was in trouble. <laughs> I mean, that prosecutor's looking at you, Julio, Julio, Julio. You don't know what he's saying, but you know it's bad. <laughs> and the judge is nodding his head. If you had a little money and you could hire you an advocate or an attorney, then you'd get somebody that not only spoke your language, but spoke the language of the court. All right. That way he could defend you. Because he not only spoke your language, but he spoke the language of the court. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One day humanity got hauled down to the court of divine justice. After we got subpoenaed and got brought in there, it don't take but three seconds or less to find out we're in trouble. Because we can't speak that language. Because there are none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after him. There is none righteousness. Amen. 
amen, of, 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 of Isaiah said, all, we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness is a filthy rags before him. That's every body. You! And here we are in the court of divine justice. And we're guilty. Now, if you're guilty in a regular court, and the lawyer plays golf with the judge, you don't feel too bad. You think maybe they'll get a deal on the, if he's a judge's nephew or son. You know, you feel, you can feel a little good, but you'll still have some anxiety. But Revelation 5 gives a picture of this. And it's got the guy sitting on the throne, and he's got the book in his right hand, and he's getting ready to throw it at you. And John said, I wept because there was no man in heaven and no man in earth or no man on the earth that's worthy to take the book and loose the seal thereof. He said, and I wept. But old Jared was shaking and crying because he knew he was guilty. And the judge had the book in his hand. But he said, but a voice came and said, weep not, John. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah yes. has prevailed to open the book. Look at the children. Hold that just a And you see something strange take place. The guy that's up there that's got the book in his hand. The next thing. right beside you he said I am going to argue his case he said the lion has prevailed but when John turned to see he didn't see the lion he saw the lamb yes. I come to tell you today the lions roared but the lamb is standing in your place Heard a story about you, 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 you can sit down about a new teacher. They say it's a true story, whether it is or not, I don't know. Up in eastern Kentucky, one of them old tough schools, rough guys. So the teacher come in there, said, "Now you guys are gonna make the rules." I'm going to let you make the rules. Boy, you got to watch when folks make the rules. They'll always expect more out of you than what they're going to do. That's in our nature. And, and uh, so they went down. And finally, if you've done this grievous deal, you had to take a whipping on your back with a switch with your coat removed. And uh, it went along pretty good. And, and 
and uh, they administered a few of them. There's this guy there, that young boy that's real scrawny, come from a real poor family. Find out his mother was on her deathbed, and the, and the father's doing all he could, but there were several kids, and he's trying to make do. But he got, to, got up to go to school that morning, and he didn't have a shirt. He had forgot to wash his shirt the night before. And it was so dirty he couldn't wear it. So he just put his coat on and ran to school. And uh, he got there late. His name was Billy and said, Billy! The teacher said, you're late. You know what the rule is for being late. you got to take four licks on your back with your coat off. And he said, oh, teacher, please don't make me take my coat off. Yeah, Billy. Y'all passed the rule. And because y'all passed the rule, y'all got to keep the rule. And he said, Billy pulled his coat off, and there he was with no shirt on. Said a hush fell over that that schoolroom. There's a bully in the class. There's always a bully. Bully in the class. And the teacher said, Hey, you! You have to administer the lick. And even the old bully said, Oh, no, no, please, please don't. No. This is a, somebody's got to do this. The, 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 this is the law! This is the law. We can't let him get by. The law. The child raised and said, you know, Billy's mama dying and put it. That makes no difference. This is what the law says. And the punishment has to be met. And the old bully on his way down picked up the stick that just like a light went off in his head. He said, teacher, didn't you tell us, didn't you tell us in a class that there's such a thing as a substitution where in some places somebody can take somebody's place. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that. that's a law. It's a practice a lot of places. He said, well, I won't take, I won't take Billy's place today. I know, I know the punishment's got to be met out, but Billy's not able to take it. I want to take it in Billy's place. I'm going to tell you, 1,900 years ago, I got ushered in the courtroom a divine justice. And I stood out next. I was next before him. But a Coleman, after he beat me, it wouldn't have satisfied the law because I wouldn't have been innocent. I was guilty. But the Lamb stepped out of eternity, came down through 42 generations, and walked up beside me and said, I'll take his punishment. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him, 
and with his stripes I am healed. He bore my sin. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to win this court case because the judge is my lawyer. Why don't you slip your hands up? Thank him for an altar. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't you stand and praise him? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. I've got more scriptures, but I'm, I'm going to stop. Do you love him? I love you, Jesus. When gloom and sadness whisper, you've sinned, no need to pray. I look away to Jesus, and he tells me to say, Thank him for his sacrifice. Thank him for being our attorney. 